Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 398. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. Ryan, what's going on? This is Lorraine Sink, a.k.a. Agent Me. And what's what's going on? You sound a little, you sound a little quiet. My head hurts. Oh, <laughs> my, you my guys. My brains are scrambly. Um, I assume that's because you spent too much time in the Cerebro chair and you saw too many mutants, and now you're like, no more mutants. Blah, 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 blah. That's the sound and then, and then you ate them all like little cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, that's what happened, 100%. <laughs> if you're just joining us on This Week in Marvel, we're going to talk about all kinds of fun stuff across all different parts of Marvel, comics and TV and movies and video games. Oh, the video games. That's really the this top news. This is the week. Yeah, this is it, E3. What a week it has been. E3 is uh, is the biggest week for the Marvel video games, for all the video games, where everybody struts their stuff. They they put on their best peacock feathers and they, yeah, you know, go they around. Yeah, they strut them. They just go, ooh, look at my butt. Uh, E3 is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Yeah, and it is great. It was a big one. We had Marvel's Avengers coming out in full force. We had a huge presence for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, the Black Order, and we were there. Well, I, I, well I, Ryan was there. I was um, supporting Ryan from afar, which is the only way he'll allow me to support him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, and so later this episode, Alex Lopez, who is one of Marvel's social media nerds, he and I will break down our week at E3 for everybody, giving you some uh, you know, behind the scenes and some details. I think that'll probably land in our normal interview spot. Uh, we're going to you know, talk about impressions, excitement, parties, the whole shebang. Are, are you doing impressions or just your initial impressions? Tell me an impression you want me to do. Well, I always feel like Alex Lopez is kind of doing a Seth Rogen impression because he doesn't look anything like Seth Rogen, but he laughs like him. He kind of does. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible. That was my first that impression. Was a terrible Seth Rogen impression. <laughs> the only uh, impression I can do is Kristen Shaw. Do it. Uh, hey guys, it's me, Kristen Shaw, and uh, she also plays Louise on whatever that show is. Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll do my Incredible Hulk. Hulk smash. That was like Gomer Pyle had a baby <laughs> with a Hulk, and that's Ryan Panago's Hulk. Crushed it. Uh, <laughs> what else do we have to talk about this week? We uh, Our big talk this week is going to be our last War of the Realms roundtable uh, to get you all ready for the big finale coming in issue number six of the giant event. And I, I was talking to the team. I think we're going to try and do a full War of the Realms spoiler cast later this year Ooh, with yeah. um, hopefully at least Jason maybe talk about his Thor run as well because – you know, it's all big and it's all crazy. It's all wonderful. Jason being Jason Aaron, not just some random Jason nope. from off the street. Nope. I'm grabbing whoever answers a to Jason. Any Jason. Any Jason. Jason Latour, get in here. No, Producer gonna, for Marvel Entertainment's new media team. I'm going to go outside to the little courtyard across the way from our office. And I'm just going to yell, Jason. And then whoever comes over. Bring them up. Well, that's where Jason and Aaron lives. <laughs> it all works out. Uh, we've got more E3 stuff to get to, though, in things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. It gets me every time. I think I wrote it the first time, and I was like, this is so dumb. I'm going to say it out loud every time, and it makes me so happy. I'm glad you enjoy it as well. I do. Uh, well, we've got lots of E3 content all around Marvel. There's a twin video focusing on five things we learned about Marvel's Avengers with Ryan Panagos and some of our Marvel's Games pals. Thank you for saying my last name, because I wasn't sure which Ryan you were going to talk about. 
Well, or it could be any Ryan. Honestly, we tried to just, we put out a casting call for any Ryan. We're just looking for people. It's a versatile name and it means king, I think. Anyway. Uh, we have a fun look at my week at E3 in a twin video that should be up the same day as this audio podcast goes live. I shot a recap of the entire event for Earth's Mightiest Show. Yeah, it's like a sort of 90 seconds of the best of E3. You're going to love it. Yeah. Uh, there's some Let's Play action featuring me getting hands-on time with uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. What? You don't like the term hands-on? Nope. Hands-on time. <laughs> you don't like hands-on time. It's. I just feel like you, whatever you and Mua 3 want to do together when you're alone is your own business. I wish we had like a library of music and we could just play some like sensual music. There you go. Sensual music. When I used to work on one of the shows we worked prior, I used to edit that show. And my favorite thing was trying to work in the same. We have like a music library song that's like a 90s jam that's like basically uh, off brand of let's get it on and I tried to put it in every video anytime I talked about anything romantic <laughs> and it was one of the true pleasures of my life and they don't let me edit video anymore for that reason rightfully so um, and Ryan also got some interviews with folks working on Marvel's Avengers and uh, MUA 3, which we'll share on the show in due time. Be patient babies yeah I, I don't know if we're going to roll those out right away but um those interviews are going to be sort of not like, oh, my God, tell me about E3. It'll be more about like, hey, tell us about your life, your career, and the game and all that good stuff. So um, we can pull those out pull those out of a hat at any time. Ooh. Um, also, if you're like me and you couldn't be at E3, you can go to Best Buy. They are going to have some demos of events from Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 The Black Order at participating Best Buy stores for a limited time. So if you're listening to this today, the day that this episode dropped, you might be able to still get out to a Best Buy store and play the darn game. Yeah, because the events run, uh, the last events run noon to 5 p.m. on Saturday, June 15th in select stores. Uh, you can go to their site for more info. Uh, there's a lot of stores that are participating, though. So it's hopefully you get to play. Make some calls. Yeah. Check in with your friends. I hate using the telephone. Do you use the telephone much? Uh, no, I hate talking to people. Yeah, I like, I, ugh, ugh, I hate getting on the telephone to talk to people. If I could text stores, I would. Yeah. Hello, store. How are you? I just, I can't suffer the rejection of a store not talking to me. <laughs> they have to reply. Uh, so this week, we also broke some news on Marvel's The Pull List, the video version, with some new comics coming out in September. It was really fun. This is the third of these that we've done, and we've been able to announce a whole bunch of fun stuff. So we announced Strike Force by Teeny Howard and Herman Peralta. Uh, and the, like, the line for that was really cool. It says, doing dirty jobs the Avengers and other Marvel heroes simply refuse to do. Angela, Blade, Photon, Wiccan, the Winter Soldier, and Spider-Woman join forces for a monsterific bloodbath. That was like a great voiceover, Ryan. Thank you. Oh, how about this one? Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, Dark Temple. It's got two colons because it's so dope. Uh, written... <laughs> I know. I knew a guy who had two colons. It was not dope. <laughs> Uh, but that is by Matt Matthew Rosenberg, a.k.a. Ryan Panagos' dearest friend, uh, and Paolo Villanelli? Villanelli. Villanelli. What a great name. Yeah. Perfect. We've got to put him on all the villain books. Oh. And then uh, that is going to be tying into a huge video game that we are V excited about. V, 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 V. A little spoiler for the video. There is a Matthew Rosenberg cameo that uh, Tucker wrote into the script that is... 
Mwah. Chef's kiss. Can't can't wait. It's real good. Uh, we also announced Web of Black Widow by Jody Hauser and Stephen Mooney, which is going to be tremendous. There's a bunch more. You'll have to watch the video episode of Marvel's The Polis to get all those all those bits of news and see all the covers and all that good stuff. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It's dropping today. Marvel's Jessica Jones season three. It's now streaming all three seasons on Netflix. No spoilers here, but. I, I'm personally just very excited because you probably remember at the end of season two, Trish Walker has that moment where she like cat, something's falling and she catches it. And we see that that procedure that she got from Dr. Malice might have done something to her. Mm. So we're going to see if she's just kiddying around. Oh, boy. Oh, hell no. I'm I'm trying to work on it. Hellcat. She in the comic books. Right. <laughs> Am I right, guys? You get it? <laughs> Oh, I, and I also got to go on a set tour there, which was really, really fun. I got to go hang out on Jessica Jones's, um in her apartment and, like, Ooh. just walk around. And she we had were, an apartment? Yeah. Not just the... It's, well, it's her office. The office, okay. But it's also her apartment. Right, right, yeah. Um, it's, it's like a one-bedroom <laughs> situation. But it's really cool because the whole floor of her apartment building is, like, a built set. And oh, wow. you can, like, look in and see Malcolm's room, and you can walk down the hall, and you're you're just there, but it's a set. It's very sneaky. I love that. It's so magical, right? It really is. I remember years ago, I was on the set of um, Marvel Studios' Avengers Age of Ultron, and I remember watching the scene where Vision first, like, rolls up to the Avengers inside Stark Tower. But, like, it was right after the party and right after the uh, Ultron, like, the drones came out and all that stuff. Uh, and just, like, walking around the, the party set, the whole thing. Oh, like, it, yeah. was, it was all done up. And there were, like, alcoves and rooms and, and all this other stuff. It was, ah, it's really neat. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about that scene getting dressed because it was – and dressing as a term. <laughs> um, but that's, like, when they put out all the furniture and everything on the set because it was, like, ultra modern and everything was really reflective, which is impossible to shoot in. It's terrible idea. If everything is really reflective because you can see all the cameras looking back at you. <gasps> but – be exciting. Yes. Oh, uh, and this is also very exciting. Elizabeth Hurley is joining Marvel's Runaways on Hulu as Morgan Le Fay. I'm so excited by that. I am too. I wonder how deep that V is going to be. Morgan Le Fay, deep, deepest V in the business. Yeah. Ooh. It's down to her belly button. Yeah. We should do the deepest Vs <gasps> in the Marvel Universe. Captain America as the Captain oh. or as Nomad. Yes. It's so sweet. It's so good. Namor rocked a beautiful deep V uh, in one of his outfits. We could do this. Because I work on the top 10 series, so I might just, that might be a new top 10. Please, make it happen. Which, (laughs) speaking of top 10s, two more came in for us to vote on, and one of them was the vehicles uh, with Namor's Jeep, which I was a little like, okay, at least call it the Blitz Buggy, please. (laughs) But it is, I love the fact that Namor has a little Jeep that he kept in storage, and I want, I actually tweeted to Chip Zdarsky and Jason Aaron to see if they could bring it back into the comics. That got my number two vote. I did think about putting in the time platform for you mm-hmm. specifically, but then I was like, it's not really technically a vehicle, it's a time machine, but... Um, yeah, but then what about uh, Kang's, Kang's time chair? Time chair. Yeah, but it goes... It does. And it jetsons along. He wears them thigh-high boots. Yeah, he does. He looked good, though. He did. Anyway, back to Morgan Le Fay. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, she is actually a student of Merlin, and she's considered one of the greatest sorceresses of all time. Crazy dope time traveler into her also. Yeah. 
So that that's really fun. You mentioned Dr. Carl Malice uh, yeah. a couple minutes ago, and uh, we're not there quite yet. But in this week in Marvel history, we're going to get another mention of Dr. Carl Malice in a little bit. Ooh! Before we get there, a little reminder: this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club is going to be myself and CB Sobolski thwipping through the '90s to talk about five Spider-Man comics from the end of the 20th century. We dig into some art by Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Mark Bagley, and so many more. And it was great because CB and I both came with stories and information that surprised each of us about, like, little tidbits about the, the 90s and Spider-Man stuff. Um, like any good coworker, I was creeping on you and CB when you were talking about oh, um, all of the surprising stuff that you guys learned together. So I'm excited to listen to. Yay! Hey, Ryan. Hey, Lorraine. What happened this week? In Marvel history. Why, thank you for asking. We are talking about June 14th through June 20th across up to 80 years of history. But we're only going back to start to June 17th, 1969. Nice. Thank you. There's a spooky title, Tower of Shadows, number one. That's released this date. Uh, And then same day we get to see that the Nega Bands are first introduced in Captain Marvel number 16, along with a new look for Mr. Marvell. Uh, but the bands are super cool. They're more specifically explored next issue and beyond, but they give the wearer tons of abilities such as strength and flight, durability, teleportation, and much more. They sort of tap into the forces of the negative zone, hence the name. And with Marvell and Rick Jones, they, uh, they're like a means of transporting each of them between dimensions. So... And also really important for Marvel's lineage and his kids. Yeah, all his kids had had sets as well. Yeah, um, I think there were different sets. I don't know. If, I'm I, not sure how it works. I yeah. Let yeah. we'll just say there were some bands. Yeah, got many bands. Um, and clicking them together will swap Rick and Marvel, one in the negative zone and one in our dimension, uh, which is just such a fun thing. It's like, hey, I gotta go. Click, and then the other guy's like, "Where whoa, am I? Whoa, I, was, I was pooping." Ooh. <laughs> well, now I'm pooping in the negative zone. All right, That's next. a great song, Pooping in the Negative Zone. <laughs> Just a hit. It's such a smash. Oh, it's too bad Triple P is gone because she. this would be one of the moments she puts her poor little head in her hands. If our uh, new audio producer is the one editing this, uh, Rebecca, keep all of this in. <laughs> great. Great. Next up, June 19th, 1973, Damon Hellstrom makes his first appearance in Ghost Rider number one in the battle between Namor and Damon over who hates his shirt more. It's a very close fight. Hellstrom's got a cool pentagram on his chest. Why wouldn't he want to show it off? That guy, I feel that he's stronger without his shirt on. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's just like one of those guys who's like, I, I, like, oh no, they put a shirt on me. It's weakening me. <laughs> they need to see my glistening chest and pentagram to know how strong I am. One of those guys? Yeah, he's one of those guys. <laughs> uh, you, you'll all be happy to know that I definitely wrote all the copy for that one, <laughs> talking about their chess and who I want to show it off. You better believe it. I, that really made me laugh. Uh, June 18th, 1974, the villainous Nitro debuts in the pages of Captain Marvel number 34. He's most notable for two things. One, exposing Marvel to the carcinogenic gas in this issue, which mm. would, yeah, it's the primary cause of the cancer that kills uh, Marvel in the death of Captain Marvel graphic novel. And then two, he causes a massive explosion. It's kind, kind of his yeah. deal. That's what yeah. he does. Uh, which, Nitro. Yeah. Go figure. You know, uh, he kills hundreds in a battle with the new warriors, which kicks off the original Civil War storyline. So, He's the worst. 
Yeah, he's a straight up jerk. And in Civil War, there's a great uh, Wolverine arc that ties. That's the Civil War tie-in for that, where he's going after Nitro, and it's. I think it's written by Mark Guggenheim and drawn by Umberto Ramos. Uh, but Nitro explodes at one point, and Wolverine is like destroyed all the way down to oh, just yeah. his bones, and he still comes back. Yeah, it's gnarly. Uh, next up, June 15th, 1976, Rich Ryder debuts in Nova Number 1. He's a Long Island treasure. Rich Ryder, not to be confused with Ron Richards, normal human man that works at Marvel Comics. But Nova is one of Ron's favorite characters. Exactly. Yep. And also, Jean Grey rises as the Phoenix for the first time in X-Men number 101, which we just talked about on This Week in Marvel number 395. If you want to go back and listen to it, Ryan knows everything. Uh, per usual. No, I know a couple things. Hey, remember when we did the red carpet? Yeah, that was fun. That was like 12 years ago. I know. And by 12 years ago, you mean about mm, a week and a half? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, June 17th, 1980, Captain America mulls over the idea of running for president in Captain America number 250. He has this iconic cover by John Byrne, the, the Captain uh, America for President button mm-hmm. cover, which is great. But it's really, it's a lot of like Captain America going, well, should I? It's mm. also hilarious to me because it's like that, you know, it's the round mm. kind of buttony one. Yeah. And my mom is an antique dealer and she used to collect vintage buttons from political races. And that's essentially what all of those like Jimmy Carter and whatever buttons all look like. So oh, cool. So it's just, I don't know, it's kitschy to me and fun. Does your mom have any antique Godzilla stuff? Probably. We'll talk later. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Next up, oh, yeah. Next up, June 16th, 1987, Ms. Marvel joins the Fantastic Four in issue number 306. No, not Carol. No, not Kamala. Uh, we are talking about Sharon Ventura. She was a wrestler from the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation, and her origins in getting superpowers are connected to Dr. Carl Malice, who we were talking about from Marvel's Jessica Jones. Uh, he's a character there, but he was also a character in the Marvel Universe doing some cray-cray science. Yeah, I mean, he was... He has, like, a history of messing with women. It's terrible. Yeah, he's a complicated figure, we'll say. <laughs> sure. He's a jerk. Yeah. Um, but she got mutated by Cosmic Rays, and it gave her a thing-like appearance, uh, causing her to get the name She-Thing. Yep. Which I'm sure every woman would love. You know, she's like, this is who I am now. Like, please give me a name that is nondescript about my appearance. <laughs> uh, June 19th, 1990. Uh, I have a correction to make because a few episodes ago, uh, I incorrectly had Uncanny X-Men number 266 with Gambit's first full appearance releasing earlier that month. But it is actually on this date. Sorry about that. I do a lot of these and sometimes I get my wires crossed. It's also very complicated to figure out the dates of when things actually came out because sometimes the cover date, like the actual printed cover date, isn't always the day it came out. Um, no, yeah. The, the printed cover date is never the date yeah. it came out. Uh, I have a resource that is really, really helpful in narrowing it down. It has a couple of resources, but we have a big spreadsheet that I go off of that I work, you know, that I put a lot of information in and then take a lot of information out of. And sometimes there's duplicates because I'm working on it and someone else is working on it. And I think I... I dropped it in one place and someone dropped it in another. I just didn't catch it. Well, there you go. Yep. But also, shout out to Ryan Panagos for tracking all of this history because it's 80 years of stuff and it is not easy to figure out when it is and where it goes. And kudos to Ryan. It's fun. Next up, June 15th, 1993, Deadpool's first solo issue is released. Deadpool, The Circle Chase, number one by Fabian Nunziata. Nope. And- 
What did I say? Annunziata. Oh, Annunziata, like Mark Annunziata. Nicieza. Fabian Nicieza and Joe Matarera. Uh, it also features the first appearance of Slayback, as in you slayed that back. No, nope. that sounds weirdly dirty. Slay that back. Ooh, I don't oh. like that. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. No hard uh, pass. Yeah, I, I don't think Slayback really made much of a mark, but he for me he was a big deal as a kid because of the series. I was like, ooh, Slayback, but I don't think he's ever been much. I think it's almost really funny. Like when you read a series and you're like, oh, my God, this character is everything. They must be so important. And then you're like, oh, they're, yeah. this is, they're just in this one thing. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> uh, June 19th, 2002, New X-Men number 128 by Grant Morrison and Igor Corday has one of my favorite uh, and something we talked about last uh, on that X-Men Jean Grey Phoenix episode. Uh, one of my favorite creepy Jean Grey as Phoenix scenes, which is, you know, her, the Phoenix comes out. She's having the conversation with Charles Xavier. It's really good. But it also includes the first appearance of Phantom X. Sexy, sexy, creepy Phantom X. Uh, remember when he dated Psylocke and he psychically split himself and then she was in a relationship with two Phantom Xs? Yeah. That was complicated, but I was into it. Yeah. Uh, next up, June 20th, 2003, Ang Lee's Hulk film smashes into theaters. Yeah. And June 15th, 2007, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer soars into theaters. And then June 14th, 2011, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark opened on Broadway. It sure did. <laughs> June 19th, 2013, Angela makes her Marvel Universe debut in the pages of Age of Ultron number 10. She's Thor's sister and a fantastic addition to the Marvel canon. She's an original character created by Neil Gaiman, who is dope. I love Neil Gaiman. I'm a huge fan. And also, he's doing a talk this weekend, and I think I'm going to go to it. Yeah. Whenever he does a signing in New York, I make him a business to be there. I want to read the that Good Omens book. I have it. You can borrow it. It's sure. great. Yeah. Would recommend. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth, my wife, was saying that my wife was saying that uh, I should read it as well. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a go. A lot of his books are like they're very short and easy to read and enjoyable. I have a bunch of his short stories. And one of my favorites is he basically did a mashup of if Sherlock Holmes was set in like an eldritch tale sort of world and it's one of the best things i've ever read and it's just this crazy short story anyways we'll talk about it more i'll yeah. share some books with uh, you. i really like his norse mythology book oh, that yeah. was really good and next up june 17th 2015 we got our first look at gwenpool on a variant cover of deadpool secret wars number two uh it was not a story appearance but we count it because it is the face that launched a thousand ships and by a thousand ships i mean it was a cover so good it got its own solo title exactly all right, that's the history stuff, but we got to talk about the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Polis. They include Spider-Man Life Story, Invaders, Age of Conan, Belit, and Silver Surfer Black. The latest issues of all of those, which released this week, they are tremendous. You guys should subscribe to Marvel's The Pull List wherever you guys get your podcasts and watch videos on Marvel.com where you can see Ryan's face and Tucker Marcus's face mm -hmm. if it is his real face. Tucker Marcus is my mortal enemy because he podcasts with you. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I want to really uh, go to this fake rivalry. I like it. You heard it here first. Tucker Marcus, find me. Let's fight. <laughs> For Ryan's honor? I don't know. I'm working on it. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to wear, uh, like, a scarf around my neck, and then I'm going to pull it off, and you guys are going to do a drag race against each other. 
then whoever wins gets to podcast with me. This is 100% like the film Grease. Yep. Great. Yeah. Let's see. Speaking of people we podcast with, James Monroe Iglehart will be back next week. He's coming in to, we're going to do an episode and we're going to have a special interview with some fun people he's going to be part of. All right. I think it's now time for our big talk of the week, which is our last War of the Realms roundtable. Does this include a Jason of any sort? It has a Jason, a Matthew, and a Russell. Oh. Yeah, Jason Aaron, Matthew uh, Wilson, and Russell Dodderman, all three of them together, talking about the story and the art and the process and all good stuff, the big beats, to get you guys cleared up for through issue number five and primed for number six. So that is a good point. If you have not read through number five of War of the Realms, uh, this might have some spoilers for you. I know I'm going to like this because I like big beats and I cannot lie. That's, uh, that, that's a perfect segue. Let's go right into the chat. I am back with Russell Dodderman, Matt Wilson, and Jason Aaron to talk about Act 3 of War of the Realms, Midgard's Last Stand. I don't know why I went with that accent for it. <laughs> it, was, it worked. I liked it. Trying, yeah. Just trying yeah. things. Jason's like laughing at me, but I've got validation from your, co, your, your co-conspirators here. Um, so as we have done for the previous two acts, I want to give you guys a spoiler warning. As we dive into this, we will be talking about events that have transpired through the series so far. So that's five issues of War of the Realms. Uh, we are not going to spoil the sixth book, but there are going to be things in here that you may not know if you're not fully caught up. So please catch up right now. Put us on pause. Come back to us once you have read through issue number five of War of the Realms. But with that said, this is it. This is Midgard's last stand. War is raging. It's huge. But at this point, it seems like Malekith's allies are they are starting to waver and, and fall. You've got cosmically aware Daredevil fully in the mix. Punisher as his hit squad of light elves, which is so fun. Thor's made some big sacrifices by this point, And he's learned some big things and has some really cool help. What's going on, Jason? Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's uh, battles all over the globe. Just every character you can imagine is fighting all at the same time. All these dark forces having Thor back uh, is a is a big help. Um, you know, there's a storm that's literally raging all around the planet. So trolls getting sucked up into hurricanes and, um, you know, the warriors of heaven getting struck by lightning and Thor is kind of kicking butt all around the planet all at once. Um, so yeah, they, that has started to turn the tide. Um, but the Malekith is not going down without a fight, and we find out you know, he didn't die in the, the destruction of the Black Bifrost, and not only did he not die, but Thor's parents, Odin and Freya, didn't die, and now they're Malekith's prisoners. And he's got the venom, which he has forged into a blade, you know, which is a cool bit of like Donny Cates, you know, with the origin stuff he did for Venom connected some of that back to Thor and to the, the god Null. And so it's cool to kind of connect that back to what we're doing in Thor and how that rolled into War of the Realms. So Venom will be a big part of this final confrontation. And then as we've seen, there's a tree growing out of the sun um, and Thor has uh, fastened himself to it to kind of following the footsteps of his dad who, you know, once upon a time hung himself from the world tree to gain knowledge. Thor doesn't know how do you, how can we possibly win this? So he's hanging from a burning tree growing out of the sun and Jane Foster doesn't want Thor to have to face this alone. So she is picking up the broken pieces of 
the war Thor's hammer on Asgard and becoming something to be continued. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a lot, right? That's, That's a, a lot, lot for Jason. one issue. That's for issue five. Yeah. Uh, the, when you guys, you know, you, Russell and Matt, get these scripts in and you're like, yeah, so Thor's going to hang himself from the world tree, which is growing out of the sun. Like, what do you, do you call Jason or are you just like roll up your sleeves and dive right into it? Uh, pretty much roll up sleeves and dive right into it. Um, yeah. it's, got no uh, time to make calls. We got to get working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think, I don't know if you mentioned, but Thor gets a new arm in those issues too. Um, he finally puts uh, how, on, did, how did I forget? Yes. <laughs> there's so much stuff. He finally puts on the destroyer arm that, you know, we first saw in your God of Thunder uh, run. Um, a call back to seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it all happen. Yes. It, it's real cool. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Venom just now and, and in the last time we were together. Uh, how much fun is it to, to put a character like Venom who seemingly is so far removed from everything that you guys have been working on through these Asgardian stories, these realm stories, and have him so now like ingrained in him part of this it's got to be fun for you guys on the art team yeah it was um it was fun for me it, pairing him jason's idea to pair him with malekith i thought was so great like even though they're you know their aesthetics are different and you know malekith is very fantasy oriented and venom is not like they really go together i think and in the issue four i believe we see malekith torturing venom in a stonehenge which i thought was a really great setting for that it's, it's really creepy and we see sort of the effect that malekith is having on venom and venom is dripping and barely able to hold you know a shape together that was really cool to draw and uh, really fun to make it so gnarly and weird they are a natural fit however with a great hair and great tendrils <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so a lot of swirly He's stuff yeah, a lot of swirling going on. <laughs> a lot of swirling. A, that should be the tagline for the third act. Yeah, the third a act. A lot of swirly stuff. <laughs> there you go. Act three. A lot of yeah. swirly stuff. Yeah. I love it. Um, you mentioned some of the like the state of the world at this point, and there's storms raging and all kinds of stuff. You guys have talked previously about the different you know places that we've been in, some of the fun stuff of mixing the Asgardian with the Midgardian stuff at, at this stage of the level of chaos and calamity. Is there something that's, you know, like really like got you going that you're like, oh man, I can't wait to draw this wild thing happening in Australia or, you know, Stonehenge is so cool as a setting, as you said, Russell. Uh, yeah, I mean, Stonehenge was really neat, like as a setting for this. I thought that was a brilliant idea. But Jason's also come up with a lot of like brilliant, you know, set piece uh, ideas like the um, Great Wall of China burning, I thought was really great. And that was fun to draw the setup in Australia. Like I drew this big dust storm that's swirling around in the Australian outback, like all the because as Jason said, you know, Thor is kind of streaking around the globe and trying to help in all of these different places as he can. And in the Australian outback, he's creating a big windstorm and so we see all this sand and stuff blowing around all the characters and that was really fun like we've got Deadpool in there and She-Hulk with her Thunderguard hammer and the little bits of the armor like that was a really cool scene to draw yeah I think when things like you know the Stonehenge or the Great Wall of China like these 
places that are iconic that you know it's not they're not in our series like regularly it's i i look at it and think all right this is my one shot to make it look as iconic and as great as it possibly can you know because usually it's going to be some big moment happening as well so it'll help sell the big moment and you know those places are beautiful and dramatic to begin with and then we're messing them up with you know storms and all this other stuff so yeah, it's it makes for a lot of fun work. Uh, anytime you can like vary what you're doing for for me anyway is is it's a good week, you know. And I'm not just stuck inside, coloring the same office room, you know, hallway or something like that for 18 pages of an issue. If we're jumping all over the world, I mean, that's that makes for a fun week of coloring for me. Yeah. Nice. The, we travel the world is in this book, and we ruin all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Real nice. Take that world. <laughs> Uh, Russell, you mentioned, you know, She-Hulk and she's got some cool gear, but she's not the only one. There's lots of characters with really neat, you know, bits of armor or weaponry. Uh, what's been the most fun to design and, and, and draw, color, dig into? Actually, my favorite has been Daredevil's uh, yeah. Heimdall-inspired look, um, you know, the God Without Fear. I had the idea kind of early on when I first read that you know it was Jason's plan to have him take up Heimdall's sword and get imbued with that power. I knew I wanted to continue the sort of starry galaxy effect that um, I'd been doing for Heimdall's skin, but for Daredevil I decided to put it that effect on his costume instead of his skin to sort of imply that this power was borrowed and it wasn't you know a part of him like it was with Heimdall, who I, you know, is a god and is sort of not the rightful heir to that power, but you know what I mean? Like it, he was more natural for him to have that, but this is sort of a borrowed gift for Daredevil, like he's wearing it. And so we put the starry effect on his existing costume. And I love how that turned out in the way that Matt colored it, I, I think is great. Yeah, it's such a simple idea that to put it on his costume like that, as far as visually, like, I mean, it's, you already kind of probably have those a lot of the the shadows inked black and like really just adding kind of the galaxy to that. So he's not, you know, theoretically much different, but visually like it makes a huge impact to make that small change to him. And then that effect itself is just fun to color. Uh, it's a, there's a couple of times where Ru I'm like, man, Russell's making me look way better than I am <laughs> because Russell's doing all this awesome work in the art. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm coloring the elements he's giving me, but like, like if they're like, yeah, just put some stars on Daredevil, Matt, I would not look this good. So <laughs> You're selling yourself short. You make everything look better. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you guys, the three of you together are the reason why this book works the way it does. It's, it's everybody coming together uh, in, in such a wonderful way. And with that said, I don't want to dig too much into the, the real details of issue number six, but what final battles can we look forward to at the end of War of the Realms? Well, you know, we as we've kind of seen from Malachus' challenge, he's got Thor's parents held hostage. He's got Venom as a weapon. And he said Thor has to show up alone. If anyone other than Thor crosses the magical barriers he's set up around Stonehenge, then the parents die. So no one but Thor can win this final fight. I'll kind of leave it at that. That's still That's not going to be simple. That's still... There are surprises in issue six. I don't think we've really tipped yet in terms of how that final battle is going to go down. Uh, be a few surprises, I should say. I'm going to give away one spoiler in issue number six. The greatest Thor of all time shows up. Dargo Kator 
of the 26th century. <laughs> he comes in with his beautiful mullet mm. and his wonderful spikes, and he saves the day. And you know we can do mullets and spar hair and spikes, so we've already proven that. Yeah, you guys <laughs> have got great. it. Did you, did you even notice when I wrote that guy into um, <laughs> the, uh, the, what was it called? The, the one with the, the granddaughters, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the one shot. Oh, I recognize. Karen. Yeah, I remember that. that, <laughs> that Jen, that Jen Bartel drew. <laughs> you are his yeah. biggest fan, so. I am. Somebody's got to love him. Anyway. <laughs> But that was your one. That was the one panel. That's, he's not, that's all you he's, get. <laughs> he's not in War of the Realm Six. <laughs> Dang it! I tried, everybody. All uh, the Dargo Corps out there. But uh, his new ongoing series starts. <laughs> <laughs> Spinning out of War of the we Realms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but uh, we just. But there's so much cool stuff coming in issue number six. Uh, I, I hope you guys have been along for the ride. It's been a hoot. And I just want to give you guys big thanks for not only being on this week of Marvel, but more importantly putting together one of the coolest Marvel Universe stories I've ever read. So, well done. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. our pleasure. Thank you. Big thank you to Jason and Russell and Matthew for joining us for a couple of these. And uh, as I said earlier in the show, hopefully we'll do a big spoiler cast across all of War of the Realms and and touching on lots of stuff because there's lots to talk about. So much to talk about. Oh, man, I just want a flying tiger of my own. Yeah, well, meow, meow. fuzzy baby. Uh, and then we've got to go now to our interview, which isn't really an interview. It's more me and Alex Lopez just talking about E3. Let's see if he sounds like Seth Rogen. You decide. <laughs> yeah, you guys let us know. Thanks, Ryan. You guys are doing awesome. The show is terrific this week. But I'm here at E3, and uh, it's in LA, and we're doing something cool. We're on the floor. Uh, You can hear some of the noise behind me, because E3 is the biggest video game show in the world. It's amazing. And uh, we're we're having a great time, but I'm not alone. I'm with Alex Lopez. Hello, making my This Week in Marvel return. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, it has been. I I don't know how long, but it's been a while. It's been a little while. Um, And you're social media manager. manager. Look at you, boy. Probably got a promotion from the last time I was on. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you were here when you were an intern, I think. Yeah, and you guys threw me into the podcast then. And then randomly other times, just show up. Trial by fire, son. Exactly. Yeah. So. We're here. We've been here a couple days now. Yeah. Um, so we started out uh, getting here on, what was that, Monday? Monday, yeah. Monday. And we pretty much got together, hung out a little bit, and then right to the Square Enix yeah. uh, like event. Right into it, yeah, that night. Yeah, for the uh, reveal of Marvel's Avengers. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, which was really great. The Belasco Theater, super cool. Yeah. Uh, we were downstairs hanging out, taking some pictures. And then we went inside the theater. That was a really nice old school theater. Yeah, it was a great environment and just like for that huge reveal. Yeah. And the crowd was electric, right? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, and it was a lot of a lot of cool Final Fantasy stuff uh, from our friends at Square Enix, yeah. uh, which was cool because you and I were like, whoa, Final Fantasy VII yeah. remake. I mean, the, yeah, the one they opened up was whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a whole bunch of other games, but finally we got to the end and they started doing the reveal for Marvel's Avengers. I think the both of us freaked out when there was like a pop. Yeah, yeah, it, I mean, it opens up and all of a sudden you see the Quinjet just flying overboard and you're like, oh my God. And it's on this huge screen too. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you really get the full experience. But then confetti comes down. Yeah, And it was yeah, just yeah. like, sure. We were like, what's <laughs> happening? It's great. Uh, and so we were there, we were sitting there, people like losing their minds. And 
it, it was really great. The the presentation went through. We, we saw like the voice actors. Yeah, got the full reveal. And we revealed the main cast of five Avengers and the voice actors who are going to be on it, which is super. They're like their own Avengers, really. Yeah. So Jeff Shine plays Captain America. Troy Baker plays Bruce Banner. Laura Bailey plays Black Widow. Travis Willingham voices Thor, which he's voiced Thor before. And Nolan North, Nolan North. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in the uh, the event at the Blasco Theater, I heard someone scream Nolan North and just like a bunch of people just wooed at the same time. Yeah. And it was like the biggest applause. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Nolan North is voicing Tony Stark and Iron Man, which is so cool. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, we showed a bunch of gameplay. And yes, we showed gameplay, you guys. So that in the trailer, that is actually gameplay. So what they did uh, is they, they like remove some of the things that you would see when you're actually playing the game, but it is footage of gameplay. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of fans obviously don't realize that because we've been getting a lot of comments on social, but it's right there. We might not have said it outright, but it's there. You're looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is great because it's so seamless and it looks so good that yeah. it is just gameplay. Yeah, it's a big compliment. <laughs> yeah, and there's also cinematic stuff in there, but it blends so well. Um, so we, we saw all that. And of course, we gave the release date, which was May 15, 2020. So soon, but so far. <laughs> I know. Spring 2020 is going to be a time. Yeah, it's going to be bonkers. I can't wait. I might have to take a couple days off just to play this for a while. Yeah, and you have many <laughs> ways to play Marvel's Avengers. You have PS4, Xbox, PC, and Stadium. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. If you have no excuse, go get it. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. We saw the reveal. Then uh, we filmed a couple videos for Marvel social channels and, Mar and YouTube and Marvel.com which everybody listening can go watch. And we had a party, party was great. We hung out with a lot of our friends, a lot of people who work on the game. And speaking of people who work on the game, I actually got to sit down with a bunch of the developers and people behind Marvel's Avengers. Let's hear some of those interviews. So we're starting off with Sean Askai, creative director for Marvel's Avengers. What is your Marvel origin story? And I mean by that, like, how did you first get connected to the characters, to the stories, to the world? Do you know, my, my first Marvel love is the Hulk. And I would say Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner and his conflict and the Hulk. Is this a power or is it a curse? Is this a hero or is this a villain? Who am I? So I, I watched the, like the, the gameplay demo. Yeah. Talking about the Hulk. From a gameplay standpoint, I was yeah. like, man, it just looks so fun. How important for you is to like oh. have that level of fun? Yeah, I mean, that's everything to me, right? Uh, you know, it's one thing to tell the story. It's another thing to feel and partake in the story, right? You know, there's no let up on the Hulk. Like, he is going to feel powerful. He's going to smash. He's going to leap. He's going to take things down. He's going to rip stuff up, out, and toss it, right? So for me, that's, you know, there's no, everyone at the studio knows, okay, we cannot mess up Hulk, right? Like, Sean will not let us, you know, <laughs> do that. And then, you know, people at the studio have their favorite, and they all pitch in, and they all push you know, just when I'm like, oh, this is this is good, and they're like, no, you know, and, and that constant tug of war between making these characters embody the hero that we know and love, and then making the player feel it, which is the most important thing, yeah. you know, uh, do you feel this? You know, that's that's our challenge, and that's something that's going to be continuous. I'm uh, Noah Hughes. I'm studio creative director at Crystal Dynamics. My name's Jeff Adams, and I'm a senior artist with Crystal Dynamics. How much fun is it to be here at E3 and to have finally shown the game off after, what is it, two years, three years it's been? I, I can't even, <laughs> I'm, I'm busting out of my skin right now. I'm so excited <laughs> for this. It's, a, it's been, a, it's been a, a, a fun road. I won't say a long road, it's been a fun road. Yeah. And to see it actually 
being viewed by people and people oohing and on when they're seeing all this stuff happen. It's just like for it's just a dream come true. On the flip side, how intense is it in both of your heads to be here and not actually be working on the game, knowing that there's so many cool things you guys are putting into this title? Yeah, I think Jeff and I both have a hard time dragging ourselves away <laughs> from the work, but at the same time, it's uh, it's one of those things where we do play testing with the game at the office just to get see how people are reacting and in some ways being able to share it here at E3 and get everyone's reaction it really helps us get that perspective of the fans and take that passion back to the game when we go back and work on it yeah absolutely you'd never want to have a blind eye to what your your fans are going to be seeing so having seeing them react to it seeing you know their eyes light up that's extremely important for us because it not only fuels our fire when we're back in the office but it also really kind of you know gives us that small sense of reward of like, okay, all those hours we put in so far are paying off, and it really kind of helps you drive toward the finish. Hi, uh, I'm Megan Marie. I'm the Senior Community and Social Media Manager at Crystal Dynamics, which means I get to be the interface between the studio and the fans and vice versa, and it is a very challenging but extremely rewarding job. So what was it like at Crystal when this started to come together? Because yeah. you've been there for a while, the game has been developed yeah. for a couple of years, but you had to have seen the, the, the formation of Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, I mean, it was, at first, it was just a question of if it was gonna happen, you know, if this does happen, what would we do? And I remember in the really early days of, of, of the game, we would just get a bunch of the most, I mean, the, the people who, who, you know, were the hardcore, hardcore uh, Marvel fans, we'd just get everyone in a room and the room would be packed and just throw ideas out there. What would you love to see? What would this character feel like? Well, how would you describe this character? And it was just this huge wall of words and ideas and concepts. And it was, I mean, you know, it's funny because you can see some of the stuff that was established way back then in the game now and just oddball funny ideas that maybe only like the most dedicated Marvel fans would get. But you're like, it's worth it because like, you know, paying homage to that 80-year history and sneaking in all these, like, little Easter eggs and stuff. Those conversations were so fun. Yeah. It was, it was just awesome. Yeah. And, and now, now we're showing it to the world. Hey, I'm uh, Vince Napoli. I'm the lead combat designer of Marvel Avengers. That sounds like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> you just get to design the way all the Avengers feel and fight and, and that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. Actually, that's, that's about it. It is, it is the coolest thing in the world, especially <laughs> if you're a comic book fan like I am. You know, you said you were an Iron Man fan coming in. Have you been surprised by how much you are enjoying developing the combat for any of the other characters over maybe one of the others? I don't, I don't think I'm surprised. I kind of figured like, hey, it's gonna be awesome to work on each one. Yeah. I, I will say that when we work on each one, they become my new favorite character. <laughs> and we sort of have this thing going around the team, which is like the moment we touch another character and we kind of do our, our pass on it, make our vamp, we get feedback like, Cap's now my favorite. He's, he's awesome. Uh, and then we, we we tackle uh, Iron Man. Like, no, Iron Man's our favorite, so we sort of, as long as we're not going backwards, we keep moving forwards, everyone's favorite is the next one we work on, so sort of like this arms race between making them all, <laughs> them all awesome. Uh, so my name is Tyler Sparks, and I'm a senior producer at Crystal Dynamics working on Marvel's Avengers. So what does that mean? You know, the term producer does so much <laughs> for Marvel's, uh, for, for games in general, but I'm sure for Marvel's Avengers. Um, it's an interesting role, and I like to think of myself First, as a facilitator, you know, I'm, I'm here to ungate this extremely talented team of developers and make sure that they're able to work unhindered and at their most efficient. You know, I, I take care of the, the so called dirty work of scheduling and database management and things that are exciting to me, but maybe not to everybody else. <laughs> uh, and just, you know, make sure that the ship's sort of running. Yeah. 
as a big Marvel fan, how much fun is it for you to be around this game, be a part of this game, and to you know just be like, you know what, I, I figure I should do some testing today and play around <laughs> with the game. That's the wonderful thing about it, you know, is that we get to make it, which is like, you know, sometimes you get a little lost in the forest, you can't see the forest from the trees kind of thing, and you're focusing on the minutia of making a game, but then when you step back and you see, like, I'm working on an Avengers video game, and I get to play it every day and see it evolve, and my feedback impacts it. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's humbling. Uh, who are you most excited to, to play as right now? And like the, the five characters that we're talking about, who do you like, if you were just gonna dive in for a couple minutes, who do you go to? Right now, it's a real toss up between, I'd say Thor and the Hulk. Like he is so much fun. I mean, you wanna talk about uh, being able to live your superhero dream. I mean, just picking things up, chucking them around, you know, just causing general mayhem. It's, it's so satisfying. Yeah. So I, I, honestly, after just saying that, I'm gonna go with Hulk. <laughs> There's the moment where Hulk picks up one guy, and then he has to pick up, and he picks up the other guy, and yeah. that that is a function of the gameplay, right? Oh, that yeah. that yeah. wasn't just a scripted thing. That was like the way that the game you guys built the yeah, game, which is the, so cool. You you can pick up guys and uh, interact with them. You can you know, slap them together, hit other hit people with people, <laughs> you know, because um, it's it's a, yeah, it's part of the core mechanics, and it's um, uh, it flows really well. Yeah, so hi, my name is Lauren Ash. Um, I am a game systems designer uh, on Marvel's Avengers. What does that mean? Yeah, so for games, a game system designer means someone that basically puts together what the character's experience is and that heroic uh, combat, but with the actual player's story in that. So it's about matching what the player feels, not just as playing Thor, but as being Thor. So that's basically what my role is doing. That sounds intense. It, it is super. Wild. I love it. I, every <laughs> single day, um, I come into work, and I'm just so excited to be using like these characters as characters. But then knowing that the player is going to be able to experience their systems at a deeper level is just it makes me energized every day. Is there a challenge in doing what you're trying to do, then taking that to five different characters that we're seeing here? I mean, absolutely, right? The fans for Marvel are so dedicated and passionate to each of these individual heroes. But when you're working on the Avengers, they all have to come together and complement each other's skill sets. And so we really spend a lot of time at Crystal Dynamics focusing on each core personality of each hero and then how they come together as a team to really overcome and you know, defend Earth. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of the five characters to, like, to play as or to work on? Um, I absolutely love playing as Black Widow. She's really tactical and agile. Um, but honestly, in our demo, I really love playing Captain America. He's such a versatile hero. Uh, when you see him in those fight sequences, he has his shield and he's throwing it and then also, but he's like, you know, he's a fighter. So he's rushing in with the shield and then he goes in with some punches. I mean, he's really great at being like agile and flexible. If you wanted to give someone advice on sort of getting into writing, getting into developing games, what would you say? I have worked a lot with students uh, who want to break into games, and I think the biggest thing that you have to have is passion. I was a comic book writer. I started in 2D, and now I'm doing narrative systems, and I'm doing uh, basically just general game systems, but the thing that comes through it is right at my core I'm a Marvel fan. At my core, I believe in telling the best story possible. So if you want to get into writing, right, what is your core? What's the best story that you can tell? And then how are you going to tell that to other players or other people? 
I tell it to players. Yeah. I make games. And that's the way I'm going to tell my story, right? So how are you going to tell yours? Awesome. Big thanks to all the developers and people who work on Marvel's Avengers for taking the time to talk with us. But, you know, Alex, that's not the only game we got to see here at E3. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Burr, burr, burr. Oh, man, I cannot wait. And it comes out so soon. July 19, 2020. No, wait, 2019. My dates are all messed up. <laughs> You're in the future. Ooh. <laughs> uh, 2019, it's very exciting. It's a Nintendo Switch exclusive. And we came in all guns blazing here this week because oh, man. like the, the Nintendo announced, yeah, we're not just giving you the game soon. We've got new characters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said it is the biggest roster of Marvel heroes and villains in that franchise. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. So on top of all the characters we've already been talking about, like we saw Ghost Rider footage this week, but we know that there's going to be more X-Men, yep. Fantastic Four, yep. and Marvel Knights. It's, I cannot wait. Not to mention, Elsa Bloodstone. Elsa Bloodstone. Anybody who listens to the show knows that I love Next Wave, oh, and yeah. I love Elsa. <laughs> who doesn't love Next Wave? Fools. <laughs> Fools don't love Next Wave. It's yeah. one of the greatest comics ever produced. If you don't love it, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, take that, <laughs> the one person who doesn't love it. Yeah, it's super fun. We got to get a bunch of hands-on time, and for me, it was a long time since the last time I played it, and it, like getting to, to jam on the game was so much fun. Did it, it only get better? It, it got incredibly, like so much better. Oh, it was great, man. you know, the, the first time I played it, the first couple times I played it at Marvel's offices, but now it's like we're so close to it, be, to, to it being in people's hands. It is so tight, so polished, so fun, and so like explosive. It's perfection. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Deal with it. We're saying it's perfection. <laughs> but, you know, we've got the, the teams who are working on the game. We also have a Marvel Comics writer who is involved with Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, and that's Mark Sumerak. Love him. Yeah, he's terrific. Uh, if you guys have never read Franklin Richards' Son of a Genius that uh, Mark has done with Chris Eliopoulos, mm -hmm. it is recommended, highly recommended, required even, reading if you are a Marvel fan. Read it after this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's on Marvel Unlimited, I believe, so go check it out. But uh, you're going to have to listen to me and Mark geek out and talk about MUA 3 right now. Mark, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm really good. So we're sitting in a private booth within Nintendo's, I want to call it a complex, like, yeah. a, 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 like a fortress. Yep, it's, like, it's a, kind of like Bowser's Castle. Yeah, but like joyous and yes. wonderful yes. and full of life. Well, it's Doug Bowser's Castle more than... Yeah, uh, and it, it's really great. We're here uh, because you're working on Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Yep, I am. I, I did the story and the script for, for that game, and it's, it's a big, fun project that we got coming out in July, and we're really excited. Uh, how did it come together? How did you start working on this? Well, I had been working on some other stuff with the Marvel Games team, uh, and this opportunity presented itself where, where senior producer Danny Koo had given me a call, and Bill, he and Bill Roseman had talked and thought I would be a great fit for this, this project. And, and I had been a huge fan of the Ultimate Alliance series in its earlier incarnation. Um, so the second they said those three words, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, I was in. Yeah. I didn't know many details beyond that. I didn't know who else was working on it, who was developing it at the time. But I said, count me in, I'm ready to go. And then when I found out that it was going to be a game for the Nintendo Switch and that it was going to be Team Ninja developing it, I said, you know what, that would have convinced me just as easily. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was thrilled to be involved in this project. 
Are you a big gamer? I am. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been I've been gaming since the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Oh boy. Oh, you're you're dating yourself. Yeah, right? I know I'm old. <laughs> but uh, you know, all the way through, I've always had a console in the house. You know, sometimes two. And love, love, love games has been a huge develop, developing factor in who I am and and how I enjoy content over the years. And so to to get to play a real game, you know, on a console that I got to have a hand in writing is just a phenomenal experience. I want to get into some of that more, but what is your Marvel origin story? I, you know, we've known each other for a long time. Sure. We've never. I don't know when the last time we sat down to, to chat was, but like when? How did you first get connected to the Marvel characters, the stories? Was it? You know, like a cartoon or a comics, yeah. what was it? Well, you know, the very first thing that I remember about Marvel Comics specifically was when I was a kid, uh, they had a campaign on TV advertising Transformers and G.I. Joe comic books, commercials for comic books oh. in the middle of my cartoons. And I said, man, I gotta, I gotta read those. <laughs> if, they, if they're important enough that they made commercials for them, I need to check them out. And those licensed books were my gateway into the Marvel Universe because Stan's soapbox and, and ads in the comics that made me go, man, there are a lot of cool characters on these pages that aren't the story about the toys that I'm, I'm reading about. Yeah. I want to find out who these characters are. And I knew Spidey from The Amazing Friends. Yep. But beyond that, I had a lot to learn. And so I started buying other comics. And that hooked me. I was, I was there every week at the newsstand, grabbing them off the spinner rack. And it was just something that was part in my blood. It was, you know, from, as growing up, I, I loved comics and needed to have them in my life. Amen. Loved being a storyteller. And then went into school as a creative writing major and eventually landed an internship at Marvel uh, under Tom Brevoort. Uh, and became his assistant soon after I graduated college. If you don't mind me asking, what what about year was this? Uh, I was an intern in '99, so okay. this is my 20-year Marvel versary. Yay! Yeah. What? Uh, that's kind of the best story to go from intern to writing the games. Yeah, it's it's been a fun journey, you yeah. know, and and so many great people and and wonderful creators that I've gotten to work alongside along the way. Yeah. Is that how you linked up with Eliopoulos? Is yeah, your internship? yeah. You know, when when I was an intern, um, and then when I was an assistant editor, Chris was one of the letterers at at Marvel, and he worked on a ton of books for us. And then when I went on to be a freelancer, uh, I was working on a lot of all ages stuff for yeah. Marvel, uh, and it was just an opportunity that presented itself where they were looking for somebody to co-write the Franklin Richards series yeah. with Chris. And I seemed to be the right fit to the editors that were working on the series because of my work on Power Pack and Marvel Adventure stuff. And it just was a, a real fun team up. And we, we did a, a good run on that book. Franklin was a, a real fun time. Yeah. A lot of our listeners will know that I often suggest Franklin Richards, the Marvel Adventures books, because they pop up on Marvel Unlimited. They pop up on you know the Marvel apps, the sales, or just we get questions in like, hey, what should I read? What can I start with? What can I share with my kids? Or, right. you know family members or friends or whatever and they're so I, I love you know I love those Franklin books yeah yeah and and that's funny because I will get people come up to me at conventions and say hey man when I was a kid I used to read those Power Pack and Franklin Richards books, and now they're adults, yeah. and it makes me feel old, but it also makes <laughs> me feel really good because these are people that are still into comics. Yeah. They're coming to the conventions now as adults or young adults and saying, I started out because of some of the stuff that you did, and that was a part of what kept me into comics. It makes me feel real honored that I was a part of their journey to to be the fan that they are today. Sure. So I never take that for granted. I no. always think, man, every every step of the way is an important one for, for every reader. And, and one of the things that we wanted to be sure of, because I mean, this does have a big old three on it. Yeah. We didn't want that to be intimidating to people. 
Uh, it's been 10 years since the last Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and many of the people who are going to be playing weren't even born when the last game came out. People are going to be playing Whoa. this with their children, and Whoa. some of those children will be under 10. Sure. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that when they come into this original story that we wrote, that they're not encumbered by what's come in the past that they're not beholden to two games that they may have never played. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not part of the series. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have the same gameplay characteristics and the same general DNA of the Marvel Ultimate Alliance series, but what it doesn't have is deep continuity ties that are requirements from the old series. Yeah. I kind of look at it this way. If you're a comic book reader and you read Infinity Gauntlet in the 90s, and then you took a break from comics for a while, but then you started watching the movies and went, man, I gotta pick up some comics, and bought War of the Realms. Right. Well, a lot of characters would have changed over those years, and their relationships would be new, and in new characters you didn't recognize would be introduced, but at their core, Cap would still be Cap. Thor would still be Thor, and you'd be able to pick it up with relative ease and understand what's going on. Yeah. And that's kind of what we want here for fans of the original Marvel Ultimate Alliance to be able to pick it up and go, hey, these are our characters just at a different point of their story, but also for fans who are coming in from the movies, coming in from the comics, coming in from animation, to be able to look at this and go, this is a story that I understand because I already know these characters from other places and I can relate to them. Yeah. You've, you've been doing this for a little while. You know how to, you know how to sell it. It's really well, good. You know what? This game is, we've been working on this game for a while, so yeah. we've had a lot of time to think about what makes it tick. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about the story? I know there's a lot of secrecy. We're still, we're, we're out, a little bit out from the July 19th sure. release. Uh, but what can you say? Well, I can say this, that the Black Order, who are in the subtitle of the game, play a major role in gathering the Infinity Stones for their Lord and Master Thanos. <laughs> um, and that's important to the game. Um, the, the Infinity Stones are scattered about the, the Marvel Universe, uh, and these heroes are on a journey to collect them before the Black Order can. Um, so our game starts out uh, out in the depths of space with the Guardians of the Galaxy, who have never been in a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game before, yeah. because 10 years ago they weren't a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, there was a classic Guardians of the Galaxy, as you know, but there, this current incarnation of the Guardians weren't around for the previous games. Yeah. So we're starting out with the Guardians in space, introducing old players to these new characters, and then things go onto Earth and they meet other heroes and, and things start to unravel from there as they hunt for the stones. And we get to visit, we've seen so far, we've seen The Raft, we've seen Shadowland, we've seen Avengers Tower, we've seen the Xavier Institute, and it grows and it grows from there and becomes more cosmic and more epic as we add new characters to the roster and new locations that they visit. It is truly a Marvel Universe game. It is, and that's what we wanted. The most important fact to us was to touch every corner of the Marvel Universe that we could, and that's reflected in the roster. I'm super excited for everybody to get their hands on it. Thanks, Mark. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, big thanks to Mark. Uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to him more and, and really learn more about the story for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. One of the things that Alex and I both geeked out about here at E3 is uh, this arcade cabinet from Arcade 1UP. Yeah, I just saw it this morning. Uh, I know you saw it yesterday. So the morning that we're recording this, I went over there and I played for, I want to say, a good half hour, because you, you just keep going. Yeah. No one was there. Yeah, so this, <laughs> this cabinet is really cool. Uh, it is three games in one, Marvel superheroes, X-Men, Children of the Atom, and The Punisher. The Punisher. The Punisher game is so underrated, I think, because 
it's not like the huge, most well-known arcade game. Yeah, not at all. I was actually super surprised to see that was one of them, but also extremely happy. Yeah. And uh, if Garrett, our gaming producer, doesn't get one in the office for us, I'll be very mad. Yeah, you will have to do terrible things to him. Oh, yeah, and we will. Yeah, whoa. We will. Uh, but <laughs> the, the super fun thing about that game is first player is the Punisher. Second player is Nick Fury. And it is a, it's an arcade beat-em-up, uh, so you go through and you just fight people. Yeah, you can't get better than that, too. I mean, Punisher and Fury, tag team. <laughs> so great. Uh, but of course, they also have X-Men Children of the Atom, which, great game, yeah. one of the classic Capcom fighters. I love that game. I used to play so much of the back in the day, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that they brought it out, especially because now, in this new arcade cabinet, Buttons actually work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, back in the day when you would go somewhere, sometimes a button might not work because you have millions of people playing them. Uh, for me, I played Marvel Super Heroes, the third game in the machine, so much. When I was in high school, there was a local video store called 3D Video that was near me, and uh, they had they had the Marvel Super Heroes arcade cabinet, yeah. and I gave it a lot of money when I was a kid. Did you have your name on it? No, no, oh, really. I've never been very good, but like, <laughs> I can cheese it up with Iron Man real good. Hey, you, you had a good time. You enjoyed playing. Yeah. The one thing I love about that game too is Spider-Man's my go-to, and he's so powerful in that game. Like, you cannot lose a fight with Spider-Man. Yeah. It's the best, and all his combos are so sick. I, 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 I that's where I played it this morning, and I just went the whole way. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Alex, it's been a tremendous E3. You were here with me last year, right? It sure was. So that's your second? Yeah. I think this is my 10th. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, you've been uh, in it. <laughs> uh, but it's been, it's been a whole lot of fun. Big thanks to the Marvel Games team, of course, uh, all that they do, and they help facilitate everything that we're, we've got going on. Of course, Nintendo folks, Square Enix, Crystal Dynamics, and everybody on our crew. It was a tremendous E3. Oh yeah, it was one of the best. I've only been to two, but I can say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've been to about ten of them, and I think it's the my favorite so far. Wow, pretty That's cool, right? A lot. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Ryan. All right, big thanks to Alex, uh, and of course, big thanks to the Marvel Games team for helping us, you know, stay on track and do all this stuff and getting us the access and and all that stuff. So big thanks to Becca McIntosh and uh, uh, Isabel Shu and, and everybody over at Marvel Games, Bill Roseman, uh, Eric Monticelli, Mike Jones, everybody, everybody, everybody. They're they're great. Yeah, the best. I appreciate them. Uh, with that in mind, it's time for our question of the week. Our question of the week is with the Marvel, you know, games news coming out of three, what's got you most hyped? Is it something about Marvel's Avengers? Is it something about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order? Because you're going to be able to play that in, like in a month. Yeah. You know, there's so much. And tell us why, because that's the most important reason. Yes. You can tweet using uh, hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email your answers to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Uh, and it is time for community. The first thing we have is an email from Mr. Samuel Lang. Samuel says, just listen to an older episode where Ryan mentions that he wrote a sad scroll Christmas story. What issue is that? I am interested. Well, that is from the Marvel Holiday Spectacular 2009. It is actually not on Marvel Unlimited for some reason, but you can get it on the Marvel Store, uh, the Marvel Comics app, um, or Comicsology. Yeah, we, we made these as like digital comics back, back, back in the day, 
And, uh, yeah, I wanted to write a sad story about uh, a scroll. I want a present for Christmas, Daddy. You're a scroll. You don't get Christmas presents. <laughs> Is that close? Bingo. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, it the, the story is called Last Christmas because I wanted to name it after a Wham song. Nice. Yep. Nailed it. Really yep. crushed it. Yep. All right. Uh, Robert, a.k.a. at CapRogers44 says, uh, Gotta say my fave X-Men movie moment has to be when Logan is asked to prove it's really him to Cyclops. Just the perfect Logan answer. Uh, and he sh- in the tweet, he had the video of uh, uh, Wolverine calling Cyclops a dick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he says something off color. Yes, 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 yes. Look, I'm just reporting the facts here. That's what was in the film. Truth. Uh, Our friend Jiggy Cruz says uh, to me and Lorraine and to James, Twim of the Week goes to New Agents of Atlas number three. Laughed out loud, laughed out so loud after those spam panels. Who would have thought spam would get all the Asians together? Greg Pak got it so right. Next up. Juan Chango at Chango ATX said, My favorite X-Men movie moment has to be Nightcrawler and Mystique in X2, where they are talking about hiding in plain sight. That, to me, was a genuine X moment. Yeah. I love Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler Mystique stuff. I, I just love Nightcrawler because he looks so scary. In a way, and then he's like, hello, it's me, I'm my crawler. I'm just a little German sweetheart. Would you like some Bavarian cream pie? Yep, that's him. He's like, got a box of donuts, and you're like, okay. He's like, it's me, would you like schnitzel? <laughs> you ever see the, the, the panel of Nightcrawler lounging sexily on Amanda Sefton's couch? He was dating Amanda Sefton, who was like a witch at the time, and he was like lounging sexily on her couch with uh, one of his little. He had like a little Banff plushie, like right by his. Oh yeah. Ama- was, oh, he's doing like the Tom Selleck yeah. or whatever it is, or I don't know. Burt Reynolds, other sure. guy, other mustache. Yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, where are we? Okay, we got to keep going. Um, <clears throat> Mao two X one five says, "I lit up when I heard H and M give a shout out to AEW All Elite Wrestling." On this week at Marvel, Ryan knows what's up. Are you even surprised Ryan says something about wrestling? That's not that's old news, my friend. Uh, well, well clocked, but Ryan is a true believer in the wrestles. Yeah. Next up, Simon Williams, a.k.a. at Simon Sebs, says, My favorite X-Men movie moment is the climax of Logan, especially when he and Laura team up to fight the soldiers. <gasps> oh, I cried so much. Oh, my gosh. I need to, I, I like, want to watch it again? But it wrecked me. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it's such a good movie, but it hurts. And the black and white version too is really, really cool. <sighs> it's really gnarly. All right, uh, Karis Pollard says, but for me, uh, this week in Marvel of the week goes to War of the Realms number five. I'm still processing just how much is in this. It's big and it's dense and it's gorgeously beautiful and everything is huge and detailed and impressive and drawn and colored so so well. Yes, all of that. Yeah. Yes, Karis. Yes. Yeah, Russell Dodderman, Matt Wilson, like, crushing the game. Boom, boom, boys. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. I want them in my room to give me artwork. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm quoting so many songs today. That's great. And I can't That's be great. stopped. All right, next up, Josh Webb 
said, really enjoying the Blade book. I'm also listening to the dulcet tones of H&M and Lorraine Sink on Twim as I read Blade. I feel like this is how life is supposed to be lived. Oh, it's so nice. Um, Blood and Chaos by Mark Andreeko. Don McGregor and Bart Sears. It's so good having you guys talk about the Dark Phoenix and Cosmic Ghost Rider is breathing life into my day. I also beyond agree with all the Punisher talk. The breakdown of the Infinity War by Sheer is so on point. I feel like Sheer and I would get along. Uh, I had a lot of the same questions. To answer the question of the week on Twim, my favorite X-Men moment is when Logan asked Charles, what is this place? And then the camera goes around the X-Mansion showing the different X-Men and their skills. I cried seeing that come to life back in 2000. And yeah, that's the uh, he posted a video in there, yeah. and that's the video of like um, uh, Hugh wearing the X Men sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Kind of, he's got a little bit of a deep V with that sweatshirt Ooh, on. Now that I think about it, V's. And uh, yeah, he's walking around like, "What's going on?" You get a really great sense of the the school. And then he finishes it off. That was the first time I had seen something of that caliber on the big screen for Marvel for the characters I grew up loving and watching on Fox Kids every day. I'll never forget the feeling of wonder I had when I saw that scene. It made me fall in love all over. And can I just say that movie for a while was the only movie I owned and I had like a DVD player in my room and I would come home at lunchtime and watch that movie every day for like a year because I didn't have any other ones and I felt content with that (laughs) I just watch it for like 30 minutes go to school watch the next 30 minutes the next day at lunch I don't know it's just my strange obsession I like that Uh, All right. last of the week is the tech lord saying I just heard Lorraine Sink got hitched yeah congrats and extra congrats to that lucky spouse Lorraine Sink is pretty awesome Uh, I will let the Beyonder know I'm married to the Beyonder that's a true fact are you calling him the Beyonder now this makes me weirdly happy yeah he's a sexy alien with a ton of curly hair yeah i was gonna say a big that big old jerry curl that white he uh, also has collar. a deep v Ooh, Ooh, yes. top 10 deep v's <laughs> gotta do it uh looking forward to that one uh and so much more we're gonna be back with another episode next week i'm ryan i'm lorraine and this is marvel your universe 